0: Hello and welcome to The Situation Report. This is the show that gives you the information and perspectives you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. My name is Jeremy Stalniker here with Chad Robichaux and uh, excited about our show today. We have an incredible guest, someone that uh, really just personally I'm honored to have the opportunity to speak to, Yeah. uh, even though he's on the other side of the country as we speak, but uh, thankfully technology lets us get there. And when we talk about navigating an ever-changing culture, uh, man, our topic today is a big one. We're going to discuss briefly Christianity in, in America, but more specifically the rise and our guest would say the, the fall or defeat of
1: atheism, of atheism right? Of atheism in our, in our country. And I think what we're really going to discover, speaking to our guest Eric Metaxas, is, is uh, how shallow uh, yeah. and surface right. level atheism is, uh, agnostics are, and in, in how... As you go below the surface, yeah. it's really just intellectually flawed uh, of how, you know, there's no foundation for right. true atheism right. at this point. Right. Uh, I mean, we've, and that's not based on faith, but based on science, based on history, based right. on evidence. And uh, Eric does such a great job yeah. in, his, in his new book, "Is Atheism Dead. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah. It's something very personal to me. Uh, when I became a person of faith um, at a later age in my life, one of the things I I can say about myself personally is I'm I'm a skeptic by nature. Right. I, I don't take anything at surface level. Right. If I'm gonna believe something, I want to know what it is, and I went on a personal quest uh, to understand why I was gonna believe this faith. I was gonna believe. There's so many world religions. Yeah. Uh, now I'm I'm convinced there is a creator, but yeah. why why yeah. Christianity over this? Right. And so through that study of uh of apologetics, uh, listening to guys like Bodhi bakham and 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 people like Eric, Eric McDaxus, um, yeah. uh, just really understanding why I believe what I believe, right. and uh, and that's the that's the those questions that I added, a question that many people have, yeah. uh, which I don't believe is truly atheism. And
0: I think a lot of Christians even are afraid to ask these questions right. because they're afraid of what they might find. And they think right. there's some kind of a, a, a conflict between science, archaeology, mm-hmm. even history and their faith and the Bible. And so they
1: just avoid the question altogether. Right. I think a lot of Christians would think, well, if I question my, that, then I'm questioning my faith. and yeah. I'm not being a good Christian. So I don't want to I don't want to open that door because. Right. Maybe I'll, I'll 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 find out that what I believe isn't true, right? And I would I would challenge everybody. And we're just getting an intro here, but I yeah. would just challenge everybody: like, open that door, ask those questions. I am convinced uh, that the only thing you will find is is a deeper, more solidified belief uh, through evidence.
0: And there are people who purport to be atheists. I I would I would push forward the idea that there are very few people who actually believe there is not right. a god, but there is an agenda behind this idea of atheism. And so there are those who push it. There are those who believe it. But we should not simply accept that that is just fact. It's yeah. settled. Uh, this is not religion versus secular. This is not right versus left. Uh, this is truth mm-hmm. versus something that is extremely flawed. And we need to understand that. And thankfully, uh, our guest today, Eric Metaxas, takes us on an incredible journey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Helps us to understand where he came from, how he arrived at some of these conclusions, and uh, where we can get the information. We need to be confident in ourselves. And then articulate that to others. Very thankful for our guest today, Eric Metaxas. I'm excited about every guest that we have on. That's why we invite them on. (laughs) But I am super stoked to have uh, Eric with us today. Uh, For those that don't know, and I think most uh, particularly on the Salem Network would, Eric is a speaker, radio host. Number one New York Times bestseller, and uh, he's written some of uh, really my favorite books. Um, if you love history and you understand Christianity and its influence on culture and the world and, and try to understand how it applies today, uh, Eric has written so much on that. Um, I mentioned this right before we started, Eric, but your books, Martin Luther is incredible. Um, I had to go through that a couple of times just to really understand it and uh, talked often about it. But one of the books that you have written that really changed the way I look at a lot of the world and particularly at this moment in time is Bonhoeffer. And um, this, that's not what we asked you to come on and talk about, but can you talk about maybe the application of that to what we're dealing with right now? Because it's just its just so top of mind. I, I mean, seriously, I, I wouldn't even know how to evaluate some of what we're dealing with
2: had I not spent so much time poring over that book a few years ago. Isn't it, isn't it amazing? And First of all, thank you for, for that kind introduction. And I wanna say that, I mean, I say it at, at anytime I get a chance, None of this was my idea. I mean, writing a book on Bonhoeffer, I had no clue, you know, in 2007 that uh, I would write this book that would be a prophetic uh, example yeah. for for yeah. everybody in America to see. Look what happens if you do not stand for truth. Yep. Look what happens if you are quiet when you need to speak. Look what happens when you go along to get along and look how tremendously evil can triumph and will triumph if you don't do the right thing. And when I wrote the book, I, I you know, I kind of thought, well, it's kind of funny how what I'm writing about in Germany in the 30s—it seems like this could happen. This is a, this this seems a little bit familiar, but I yeah. never dreamt that we would be here today. Yeah. And I do say bluntly. I believe God called me sovereignly to write the book as a warning to the church in America to say, this is exactly what will happen to you if you do what they did. And if you don't do what they didn't do, this is going to happen. This will happen. This is the model. But I believe God gave us the story of Bonhoeffer. Again, it was never my intention when I wrote it that it would be a prophetic warning, but that that was God's plan in calling me to write the book. And the parallels are so striking that it's almost funny. I mean, I think we were just talking, um, I was talking on my own radio program on Salem recently about the January 6th story and how January 6th is like the Reichstag fire.
1: Mm.
2: Something happened, but whatever happened is nothing compared to how they used it to crush dissent. It it was an opportunity for folks who don't know the story. In 1933, you know, some crazy Dutch arsonist, some young guy lit the German parliament on fire. So it's like, you know, lighting the Capitol building on fire. Okay, it was a real fire. Well, the Nazis used this as a pretext to completely crush anybody who opposed them. And that's suddenly you see this in America. Something happens. We're not sure what happened. It's not a tenth of what they claim. But there are certain people who see this as an opportunity to crush liberty, to crush dissent. This is our chance. And if good people say nothing, we deserve to go down in flames. We deserve to lose the republic. So I I didn't intend that when I was writing that book. But God, I I feel God has led me in in choosing the books that I chose to write and doing what I do. And, of course, you only see it in retrospect.
1: Eric, when did you write it, uh, uh Because I, I mean, I would call this to publishing.
2: It came out in 2010, which astonishingly is now almost 12 years ago that it came out. Mm. But uh, it came out, and it's it, it. Listen, it 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 astonished me. It sold uh, over a million copies. It's been translated into 20 languages. There is, undeniably something about Bonhoeffer's story. I can't take credit. I just told the story and it never really had been told in the right way before. There's a lot of books on Bonhoeffer, but nobody really definitively tells the story um, and gives you the context. So it really seemed to strike a a, a nerve with readers. And as I said, it was translated into 20 languages. And we are making it now, right now, this year, into a feature film, uh, 20 plus million budget, mainstream Feature film, uh, because it's it's just one of those stories that resonates in countries beyond America. It's uh, you know, it's just something that I I, I I'm I'm grateful that the Lord allowed me to be a part of of uh, telling his story. He's just one of the greatest men who's ever lived. It's a it's well. a crazy thing when I when I read
0: that just as a student of history, and I love you know World War II history. My wife is uh, an immigrant from Germany. Her family you know grew up in in southern Germany through the war. So it's You know, it's just interesting to me. And as a matter of historical record, it was very interesting. I've read about Bonhoeffer. One of the things that you talked a lot about was his relationship uh, with the church and how the church responded to what was happening in the country. And when I read that, you know, four or five years ago, I thought, man, that's crazy. And that will never happen in the United States. Our churches will always stand up for what's right. This, um,
1: this is a conversation that Jeremy and I had yesterday, we just had we were yesterday about yeah, right? like just wokeism and uh, and how the churches responded in such a way that they hitched their wagon to things that are worldly and uh, and passionate and uh, movements based on people's feelings and and not to truth biblical truths and, and how that's uh, you know costing our our nation.
2: But I mean, it's chilling. But it's, it's it's a chilling thing to watch it happening now. And so whenever people say,
1: "Hey, how did that happen
2: in Germany?" It's like it happened in Germany precisely as it's happening right now. Don't wonder what you would do in Germany in the 30s because you're doing it now. Whatever you're doing now is an indicator of what you would have done then. And at this point, we should not be
0: surprised about whatever it is that happens because we've seen it. We have a record we can go back to. Page 310 <laughs> 10 outlines this for us. We know this is what's going to happen. Wait, is and that, uh, is stare. that
1: not why they are attacking history and pulling this? And that's why they're pulling history. I mean, down, why, right. why, this is why our, our children in schools are not being taught about the Holocaust. And-
2: well, yep. absolutely. And they're not being taught American history. I wrote another book called If You Can Keep It, which really makes super clear, it's a very short book, but it makes super clear the relationship between faith Uh, And liberty. And I never really understood how central to American style self-government unavoidably is faith and virtue. We don't teach that in public schools. We barely teach that uh, anywhere. And it's unavoidable. It's like math. You you, you can't say, well, this is my math. It's just factual history that you could not have American style self-government and liberty without strong churches, without a huge faith element. Of course, you can't coerce faith. That's the, sure. the conundrum and the magic, the paradox of liberty. But all of this stuff is not that complicated. And I, I'm, as I say, grateful that I I have been able to write some books that clarify this for people because it's very important. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's very important right now.
1: Talking about history and faith, you know, the, today what we're going to talk to you about is atheism in America, in the United States. But before we do, I'd, I'd like you to give us a, a primer on Christianity in the United States. Like it seems like right now, everyone's saying that that uh, we're not a Christian nation, that we never have been a Christian nation. Is that true, or what's the truth behind that? What's the history behind that?
2: All, like all of these things, it's a little complicated. We've never been an officially Christian nation. However, we have always been a profoundly Christian nation. And you need to make the distinction that the beauty uh, of Christianity is that you can't force someone to be a Christian. That's the nature of truth and the nature of faith. So the idea that we're officially Christian – let me tell you who's officially Christian – Great Britain, England, at the time of the slave trade, was officially Christian. They didn't behave Christian, but they were officially Christian. We uh, have never been officially Christian, but we have been deeply Christian as a nation. And I think we should strive to behave in a way that is Christian, not to be labeled officially Christian. But if you look at it historically, there is no way America is America without people of faith, It it is just, you know, not only is it historically unavoidable, it's also ideologically unavoidable. You don't get freedom with Marxism, with big state government. You don't get freedom. You have to have people who are virtuous on themselves. They say, I'm going to do the right thing because I fear God, because I care about what's right, not because the government's forcing me. All this stuff is connected. And I think that, look, we have to be clear. Uh, when I spoke at the National Prayer Breakfast in 2012, when the Bonhoeffer book came out, I was like the flavor of the month and they they asked me to speak and Obama's there and people yeah. can see it at my website. In fact, I encourage you, please go to my website, ericmetaxas.com, sign up for my newsletter uh, since I was knocked off of YouTube and you can follow some of what I'm I'm doing. But if you go to ericmetaxas.com and watch the speech that I gave, what I say then, I'll say now, is that there has always been Christianity in name only. There are always going to be people that say, I'm a Christian. Yeah. Uh, what they mean by that could mean anything. You could be serving Satan openly and say, well, I'm, I'm a I'm a Christian Satanist. I'm a Christian atheist. Yeah. I'm a, I'm not a Jew, so I guess I'm a Christian. I'm not a Muslim, so I guess I'm a Christian. It. These are just words. The question is, are you doing what God calls you to do? Are you willing to die to self and to... Trust God with everything in your life, the God of the Bible. There are many people that say, well, I'm not quite there. Well, if you're not quite there, you're not really a Christian. So I hope I see you in heaven. But let's be honest. You can't talk about what you believe that and have any daylight between what you say you believe and how you behave. How you behave is a clear indication of what you actually That's believe, right? right? right. Uh, I don't jump out the window That's because right. I believe gravity will right. drag me to my death uh, here <laughs> right. in New York City. Uh, And and if I didn't believe that, maybe I'd jump out the window and see what happens. But I know, I believe (laughs) that. And the fact is that Bonhoeffer makes that super clear. He says that it doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter what you say you believe. How you act is evidence of what is true about your beliefs. And so we're living in a time right now, no different than Nazi Germany. People can say they're Christians, but how you behave shows whom you fear. If you fear God, you don't fear man, you will speak the truth, whether it's about the election, whether it's about vaccines, whether it's about uh, who's in the White House. You're not going to fear speaking the truth because you trust God with your income, with Absolutely. your job, with your life, with your reputation. I'm not talking about being foolhardy and idiots, but I'm saying that a lot of people, they've got you know, they've got their eye on what are people going to say. Yeah. And I think that when you're in an ideological war as we are, you're going to really see what people believe. so there are many people in the church right now who they don't they don't want to lose whatever power they have they don't want they they're maybe they're afraid they're going to lose their congregation so they're they're keeping quiet about certain things and I think well, people kept quiet about slavery during abolition times when no. some people were open about it that that we believe in abolition we're against slavery, and other people said we don't want to be divisive, we don't want to. We don't want to lose people uh, who don't believe this way. When uh, in, in Germany, tons of people said, you know what? I, I don't agree with Hitler, but, you know, uh, I, maybe my neighbor does. I'm going to keep my mouth shut. Yeah, I don't want right. to talk about that right, right now. Right. And because of that kind of silence, millions of Jews and other innocents were murdered. So we are living in exactly the same time. If you keep your mouth shut, if you worry about yourself more than about what God thinks— you are guilty. And I say that as a warning to people, God doesn't want you to be guilty. He wants you to know that you are free to speak yeah. the truth, to trust him with the outcome. So if you really want to know where the church is today, many in the church uh, have had their eyes opened and they're being bold. And then there are many others that they've yeah, shrunk back right. and they said, we, we're we going to sit this one out. We're going to let this blow over. We'll let somebody else take the heat. Uh, that's where we are.
1: Yeah, it's a I mean, the famous quote, Ed, Edmund Burke. The only thing for evil to prevail is for good men to do nothing. And uh, yeah. I think this country right now is a, is short, is a shortage of good men yeah, who are willing we've got to. Got some, courage. but yeah, you look
0: around yeah. and it's it's uh, it's confusing. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I don't think that's take this, exactly right. Yeah, I don't think it's completely off topic, but I'm going to anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> he always does. What? Uh, <laughs> as I hear you talk, your your faith is so rich and deep, and certainly as you know, folks read your books, they'll understand that as well. What is your personal faith journey? How did you how did you come to this personally?
2: Well, I, t- I also tell that story. There's a video on my website, EricMataxis.com, where I tell the really short version of it uh, and I wrote I wrote about it in my book Miracles and literally a year ago I came out with the memoir of my life up until my conversion at age mm. 25. So if people want the story, they could read my book Fish Out of water. A lot of really hilarious stories all true growing up, with a German immigrant mother, uh, Greek immigrant father, growing up in that home and just the craziness of it and go, you know, leaving a working class environment to go to Yale okay. and losing whatever little faith or common sense I had there. <laughs> but around my 25th birthday, well, I should backtrack, I, I, I graduated Yale with an English degree and I kind of floated – and floundered after college, wanting to be a writer. And I always joke around. I say, if you if you graduate college and then you float and flounder, you will move back in with your parents. There's no way around it. <laughs> so I did. And when your parents are working class European immigrants who lived through the hell of the war, they knew hunger. They worked hard uh, to, to 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 buy a home to raise their kids. And then they see the one who got to go to Yale, kind of coming back home, like, hey, what's the meaning of life? Right. You know, they're kind of like, what what is wrong with you? I right. mean, are, are you kidding? Right. And so I went through a really hard time soul searching. I'd been convinced, uh, you know, I, I, I drunk the Kool-Aid at Yale where you kind of buy into this idea that life really has no meaning. Sophisticated people don't ask those questions. But I had enough time to think about it and get depressed about it and think like, what, what am I doing? What am I, I want to be a writer? What am I going to write? In that time, I met a guy, still a dear friend, Ed Tuttle, and he started sharing his faith with me. And it began me on a journey where I was really resistant very resistant to what he was saying, but I was intrigued enough to keep listening. And God was doing something in my heart. And right around my 25th birthday, the Lord spoke to me in a dream. It was like a vision in a dream, which was utterly miraculous. I mean, it's the end of of my book that I just mentioned, Fish Out of Water. At the end of the book, I, I go into the dream. And the dream only makes sense if you've read what goes before it. Because it was like the Lord speaking to me in a way that was so personal that right. if you didn't know what I knew at that time, and if you read the book, obviously you track with me, but it, it, was, it was him speaking to me in a way that was utterly, instantly mind-blowing, life-changing. I woke up, born again, I believe in Jesus, I believe in the Bible, game over. And so I have been a born-again Jesus freak ever since by his grace, but it was totally, totally miraculous. It was yeah. not you know an intellectual conversion.
0: Learn more at MightyOaksPrograms.org. You know, again, that comes through in, in your writing and your speaking is that it's not an intellectual conversion. It's, it's personal. And you can frame the world in that, which is, you know, something I try to teach my kids is we need to frame the world in our, our, our biblical worldview, what we believe about God and the Bible. Which, you know, brings us back to the book that you just wrote um, on atheism in the United States. And uh, is atheism dead? That's a that's a great question. Um, I pastored in church for uh, a long time, and I preached a sermon series entitled God is Dead. <laughs> and and uh, more. it was more like I was trying to get people's attention than I believed it, but I had a lot of people in our community upset that I would title a sermon series that. Yeah. Um, and, and I think for a lot of people, God is dead, but the the answer to that, the hope in that is that God is not dead. But as you consider atheism, where do you see the rise in atheism in,
2: in our country, where do you see that being pushed as, Listen, as an agenda let me, First right of all, let me say, since I'll, I'll cut to the chase since time is limited, this is really simple, okay? There will always be flat earthers. There hmm. will always be atheists. Yeah. It doesn't mean we need to take them very seriously. Just because they're loud, just because they've got some arguments, sure. the bottom line is never in the history of the world has the thesis that there is no god been more utterly preposterous. We need to know that. We need to get the word out on that. In other words, you know, if, if somebody comes to me and says I'm an atheist, I'm going to be like, well, I will pray for you, I will love you. If you want to talk, I'll talk, but I am never going to take your thesis very seriously. I'll take your pain seriously that you've had uh, yeah, some injury done to you by people who go by the name Christian or something like that, but but the idea that there is no God, it's no longer intellectually tenable. And we need to know this. It's, it's really uh, why I wrote the book. Because in 1966, of course, Time Magazine published their infamous cover article, uh, Is God Dead? And you can understand how in 1966, it looked like science is pushing God out of the way. It looks like we're alone in the universe. Well, I'm here to tell you that narrative got stuck And we've been living in the secular world ever since, and the cultural elites all think there is no God. But I'm here to tell you, since about 1966, ironically, the evidence from science alone for God has become so overwhelming, it is absolutely mind-blowing. And most people don't know it. And that's why I wrote the book. I said, this is crazy. This is like tons of people thinking, maybe the earth is flat. Maybe. I don't know. I'm here to tell you, folks— It's no longer worth discussing. The evidence is so huge that it's open and shut. If you want to talk about the nature of God, we can talk about the nature of God. If you want to talk about the evils of Christians over the decades, and we could talk about that. But talking about the concept of if there's a God or not, it's, it's game over. And I'm here to declare it because I've done the research. The evidence is so overwhelming. I mean, I just put some of it in my book. But it is absolutely overwhelming. And if you're intellectually honest, if you're intellectually honest, you can never, ever say I'm an atheist. You'd have to say at this point, I'm an agnostic. Correct. You want to be an agnostic, you want to be an atheist, it's a free country. But the idea that you would say you're an atheist, I I think the science, just the science that I have in this book People won't even believe it. They're going to be, how did I miss this? How, how come I haven't read this in the newspapers? Well, because we live in a secular culture that tends to just sweep this stuff away. But I said, it's about time I put it in a book with uh, evidence, not just from science, but from biblical archaeology, which is astonishing. And with a number of other things, I think it's game over. I think we need to understand that God has, in these last days, revealed himself through science in a way that none of us saw coming. Maybe we were sure it would never happen. It has happened. It has happened. I've yep. documented it. And again, I just write about it on a popular level. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are hundreds of books that you can read. Uh, you know, when you read my book, there's footnotes and other books. And you can say, wow, this stuff has been swept under the rug. It's about time somebody knew it. So I'm really glad that I wrote it just because no one else has. So it's yeah. it's about time.
1: I agree. Like, you know, uh, atheism is so intellectually flawed. Uh, but yet on the other side, you see progressives look uh, – pointing a finger at Christians saying it's a Neanderthal old school way of thinking. It's not, and, and, uh, and you, you have to wonder what's the motivation behind that. Why, why would somebody be motivated to take a position that of the absence of God? Uh, is it simply because they don't want to live a life of accountability? So they try to justify, I, I uh, think it's
2: many things. I think we have to be honest and understand. First of all, I think oftentimes, and this gets to where we were talking about Bonhoeffer and stuff. I think that, Christians in the last let's say fifty or sixty years have adopted a kind of um pacifist stance that we say well we don't want to argue too much we want to respect our right. our right. opponents we want to love our enemies and you're like yes how do you love your enemy you love your enemy by telling him hey hey don't cross the street now a truck is coming if you say well i don't I don't want to put that on him I want him to you know I, I want to respect Uh, his ability to kill himself by stepping into a a speeding truck. We have an obligation to speak the truth. And we have erred so much on the side of, I want to be nice. Sometimes the nicest thing you could ever do is tell somebody they're mistaken because you're doing them a favor because you're actually speaking the truth to them. Now, if you do it in a nasty way, that's one thing. But I think we have to be clear that this idea that uh, there are people who feel really strongly about something and we need to let them vent you might let them vent but at the end of the day you're not doing them a service by letting them believe something that's ridiculous and I think that uh, people can't really you can never force somebody uh, to believe let's be honest yeah. but but I think we have to understand what we're dealing with It's kind of like somebody says I think science is stupid. How would you respond? If someone says, (laughs) I think science is stupid. How do you respond to that person? Do you go, well, you know, you you have a point. A lot of people have been hurt by science and by scientists. Is that really the conversation you want to hear? It's true, but is it relevant? I mean, I think, I think we've done that with the issue of faith in the, in the book. uh, The first part of the book is all scientific proof for, or I should say evidence, but it's so overwhelming. It's it's almost funny actually that we've gotten in the last 50 or so years that make it obvious from science that there is zero chance the universe, this planet, or life came into being by natural processes. Right. Like, that right. thesis is dead. Bury it. It's over. And so, and of course, that's the atheist idea, right? That's dead. But then I go into biblical archaeology. There have been a, a discoveries in the world of biblical archaeology that corroborate the scripture as history. And you think... The evidence is so overwhelming. It's almost funny. Why do Christians walk around almost half apologizing for their faith? It's again, it's it's like apologizing for believing in math or believing in science (laughs) or believing in gravity. You think this is really not something that you need to worry about? It's just true. If you want to be a jerk about it, that's bad. But but it just is true, and I and I think that. Really, we're living at a time when, when the hostility on the other side from cultural Marxists and atheists, the viciousness proves they have no argument. All they can do is intimidate people into mm-hmm. silence. And I think if you allow yourself to be intimidated into silence, you're no different than the German Christians who let the Nazis bully them yeah. into silence. If the yeah. church had spoken up early on, the Holocaust never would have happened. That right. is a fact. Yeah, but the right. church said, "Not yet, not yet, not yet. We just want to preach the gospel. We don't want to get involved in politics." Well, suddenly, you know, twelve million people are murdered. You're on the hook for that because you kept your mouth shut. So, do you still mm-hmm. think it was a good idea to keep out of politics? Is is that still your excuse? Yeah. So, so we're living with a lot of um, confusion that people have, and I, I really want to wake up the church. Uh, yeah. And I also think there are a lot of good people out there who they need to hear this information that maybe they are, they're on the verge of coming to faith, but they think, Oh, there's no intellectual, uh, evidence. The, the evidence is so overwhelming. As I said, the evidence against atheism is just unlike anything I ever dreamt. It's,
1: it's, it's actually amazing. One of the uh, things you know, I, I, because of my platform and what Jeremy and I do, uh, you know, speak on biblical truths to the veteran community. Uh, one of the, the questions I always get is from atheists, uh, or people who would, agnostic or been hurt by faith, they want evidence. And uh I keep in my little notepad on my phone uh, a link to Bacham, who's one of my favorite apologetics teachers. And he has a he has an old message called uh, you know why I choose to believe the Bible. And uh and it just he ar- he articulates it so well going through all the evidence of the gospels and and uh and yep. you know from a very pragmatic way. And I've said that to so many people and it's such an eye opening message and well now I have a second now send I'll send Bodhi Bacham, and I'll send uh, you know, is atheism dead? <laughs> as, well, listen, up.
2: <laughs> yeah, even the title, I, I use the title is atheism dead to be provocative and to say, right. yeah. they used to ask, is God dead? And they had a good right. reason to ask it. There were people looking at science and looking at things and saying, you know what? It looks like the more we discover from science, the more it's going to push this primitive thing called faith out, away. Well, guess what? The opposite has happened. So now you really have to ask, is atheism dead? And, and I think that intellectually it is dead. It's just that we need to get the word out that it's no longer uh, possible. In fact, one of the things that I I fault Christians and the church for, uh, mm-hmm. as I said earlier, is being so nice that they don't... They, you don't really respect your opponent if you don't put the truth in front of them. Correct. And yeah. so the bleakness of, of the atheistic view. It is just suicidally depressing. It is beyond belief how depressing it is. Nobody ever presses that argument. You need to say to somebody, okay, there's no God. So there's no meaning. There's no truth. We are all here by accident. I, I'm, we're not like walking poems. We are nothing. We are, we're, we're just robots. We're nothing. If that's true, then what? Well, the then what is so bleak, most people don't even have the ability to imagine how bleak it is. It's so horrifying to think that we would be alone in the universe and that the love you have for your kids, for your parents, for your spouse, for it, it is just absolutely meaningless. It's just chemicals perpetuating the species. There's no transcendence. There's no love. There's no goodness. If you know that to be true, if you face that, you understand that there is nothing more horrifying than the atheist position. But what atheists tend to do is they avoid that. They kind of act like, well, I can have my own meaning. No, you can't. That's like saying, I can have my own math. No, you can't. (laughs) You're talking about logic. And the fact is that at the end of the book, I I reveal something which really blew my mind. I could not believe when I discovered this, but that the two most intellectually serious atheists of the 20th century, or two of the most intellectually serious, Jean-Paul Sartre and Albert Camus... Mm -hmm both of them were dealing with this they thought we live in a world without God how do we make meaning both of them looked into the dark heart the abyss of atheism harder than anybody did more rigorously more unblinkingly they both independently came to faith nobody seems mm. to know that it's to me it's the biggest headline there is that the two Incredible. giants of 20th century you know French existential atheism Incredible. both came to to faith. What does that tell you that the people who really looked at it seriously said this this can't be right. This yeah. isn't right. But then flippant atheists like Christopher Hitchens and Christopher and, and uh, Richard Dawkins who are intellectually tremendously sloppy. I mean it's just beyond belief how right. sloppy right. they are. Right. They are sort of happy that there's there's no god in the world. Well, if you were as smart and as philosophically rigorous as Sartre and Camus, you wouldn't be but you're very shallow. You like to sell books and, and you like to get the applause of undergraduates, I guess. But you're not really interested in, in
1: truth. And we have to call them uh, out on it because they're hurting people. All right. Go ahead. I just had a short question because I'm, you know, I'm looking at the book while we're talking. And how many words is this? It's, it's an off-the-wall question. How many words is, is, uh, is Atheism Dead?
2: How many words are in the book? The yeah. title is three words. Is that your question?
1: No, that the, the word count
2: it's that was a joke um <laughs> i don't i don't know it's 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 a it, there are three parts to the book the first part is science it, and i'll tell you some of the stories a, in the, the science band. and archaeology they're just crazy stories and i love the idea that you can communicate by telling these true stories but um i don't know it's about 400 pages you know so yeah. maybe 100 it's, it's, it's uh, 60, words.
1: 16 hours on audio so it's uh, I'm excited for 16 hours of audio. And I read it.
2: I, I read it. You can you can play it on 1.5 speed if if you don't have the time. But I read every word. I read all my books now. So if you get an audio book, yeah. I'm the I'm the narrator because I feel it's yeah. just something I like to do. So I can yeah. Put you the do sound
0: different on 1.5 speed though. Yeah. You sound well, different well, faster.
1: The, the reason I brought this this is this is what I'm I'm um, I'm excited about actually. In looking at which uh, I'm on Amazon right now looking at the book. And it's the number one bestseller on Amazon in the category of atheism. Isn't that funny? As people are searching for atheist books, it's the number one bestseller. And uh, that makes me really, really happy and encouraged. It it, it is
2: encouraging. Listen, I think a lot of people, including a lot of people that think they believe in God or they're not sure what they... I think people are going to have their eyes opened and they're going to say, how have I lived this long and I didn't know this information? I mean... The evidence from science. Can I touch on the evidence from science quickly? Because I just want to explain yeah, what I mean by evidence. Um, Christopher Hitchens was once asked, what's the strongest argument from those who believe in God? You know, And in a rare moment of candor, because he could just be a nasty, nasty debater, he, he, he was candid and said the fine-tuned argument. And the fine-tuned argument is a scientific argument that builds with every day. I mean, the evidence from science on this score is increasing every single day. The more science finds every day, the more they discover examples and elements of fine-tuning in the world where they say, this is crazy. The size of the Earth. We now know that if the Earth were the tiniest bit bigger or the tiniest bit smaller, there'd be no life. We didn't grow up learning that in school, but that is what science says. Science says that the the magnetosphere of the Earth, if we were the size of Mars, or not not even the size of Mars, if we were just a little bit smaller than we are, there's no possibility for the atmosphere that we have and no life. And you think, well, that's wild. We dodged a bullet there. We just happen to be the right size. (laughs) And they said, oh, and by the way, if it was a little bit bigger, there are other reasons that we wouldn't have the right atmosphere. Mm. So it's like science has discovered that our earth is just the right size. It's exactly the right size for life. That is one of literally scores and hundreds of examples of things that science discovers that if it was just a little different, there's no life. And I'm thinking, this is science. This is not Christianity. This is science telling us that everything around us is so perfectly (laughs) fine-tuned. And it makes a lot of Atheist scientists very nervous because they, they they can't they can't get around it so they come up with really crazy theories like well we, we hate the the theory of God so much that we'll come up with with a really crazy theory maybe there's an infinity of universes and our universe just happens by coincidence to be perfect that takes infinitely more faith than believing in the God of the Bible but that's kind of the evidence is so strong that people are writhing and wriggling away from this evidence, but it's just, I mean, I use many examples in the book so people know what I'm talking about, but that's usually the simplest one is the size of the earth. It's just crazy. If the moon weren't the size that it is, uh, there'd be no life on earth. Who would dream that the moon, like you look at the moon you think, what does that have to do with whether there's life on earth? It's stable. We now know we maybe didn't know it 50 years ago, but we now know that it stabilizes the rotation of the earth so dramatically that if the moon weren't there, there would be no possibility of life on earth, and it goes on and on everywhere you look in the solar system uh in the in the universe itself uh when you look at life on earth when you look at all these things, everything that science seems to discover points to the direction that it's perfectly calibrated yes. and you think well hey. what a nice coincidence It sure seems like maybe somebody did' it yeah. oh
1: yeah, I almost suggested intelligent, intelligent design right
0: <laughs> we uh our our tagline for this show is. Um, giving you the information and perspectives you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. That's our tagline for this show. And uh, this book, Is Atheism Dead?, is what people who are trying to navigate an ever-changing culture need to get a hold of and understand and uh, give out as gifts to your neighbors. Uh, It's it's so important and uh, flies in the face of popular agenda um eric where can people learn more about you you mentioned your website where can they get the book what would you like for them to do
2: i always say uh, to folks uh please go to my website it's just my name eric and sign up for my newsletter because on my own you know i've got a national salem radio program and we have interviewed some of the most amazing people but youtube flat out shut down our program because we threatened them by speaking so much truth. Evidently (laughs) we scared the heck out of them. So, uh, we will send you, uh, once a week, we send you the interviews and things, but I've just, uh, I'm amazed at how many wonderful uh, people I've been able to talk to and stuff, but there's a lot of other stuff that I can share there that I can't share on places like YouTube, but, uh, it's just, uh, you know, it's a joy that God allows us to speak the truth, and I want to encourage right. other people to know what's true, to speak the truth without fear, knowing that God defeated death on the cross. So you don't, yes. you don't fear anything. Bonhoeffer didn't fear death, and mm-hmm. we hail him as a hero. Well, God expects the same from us. He, he actually yeah, defeated right. death. So the secret is the reason you shouldn't fear death is because it doesn't exist if you believe sure. in him, and mm-hmm. we need to make sure that we understand that. Otherwise, we're going to live life in half measures, and that's not the way... We're supposed to live our lives. Great. It's not what yeah. the Lord died for, and it's not why He put us on this earth. So we're living in really very, very exciting times right now, and I'm excited to to share that.
0: Incredible yeah. word,
2: thank you. Uh, it's an honor to speak with you. Yeah.
0: Hopefully, hopefully we can do it again. I, I would yeah. love to to do
2: this again, but. Yeah. Um, yeah thanks for coming on Eric very
1: proud to know you and, and thankful for what you're doing
2: anytime uh, reach out to us I'd be delighted I'm really thrilled you guys are out there and God bless you and your audience this is an, an important conversation wonderful yeah. thank you Eric thank you
0: another incredible conversation so thankful for people like Eric who understand the issues who've taken the time to uh, really bring together the evidence that not only supports faith because I think often we do that we, we kind of reconstruct let's find the evidence that supports what I believe. Uh, But really from the ground up builds the case that atheism uh, really has no intellectual or scientific basis. And so very thankful for that. Thankful for this conversation. Pick up his new book, go to his website, subscribe to the newsletter, all the things that he asked us to do. Uh, You need to stay connected to him. Thank you for watching and listening. Take some time today, if you will, to visit a couple of websites. These are websites where you'll find this content and other content just like it. Go to the sitrep.org, the sitrep.org. Again, you'll find this episode and all of the episodes that we've done, the sitrep.org. If you would like to find this content and content just like it, go to salempodcastnetwork.com. This show and other incredible shows are found there as well. And of course, you can subscribe to this podcast from your favorite podcast platform.